Turn uh, with me or mash a button with me to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're looking this morning at uh, verses 10 through 15. Let me read God's Word to us. I'm feeling a little dark up here. Can you, can you give me a little more light? Uh, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great. Deuteronomy 6, beginning at verse 10. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land, which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. And you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the people who surround you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you, and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. That's pretty, uh, pretty real, pretty, pretty significant, pretty terrifying, and yet at the same time, um, very encouraging. I hope we can see all of that as we, we look at uh, Deuteronomy this morning. I want us to think about the characteristic of jealousy that our God possesses. We looked last week at the need to be in the Bible, reading the Bible, spending time with God. After you start doing that, do you start realizing that God is jealous for that time with you? And that when you miss that time with Him, He is jealous for that time with you. I hear it from uh, women saying, He's at work. He's hunting. He's golfing. He's fishing. He's at work. He's always at work. And then comes me. And I hear it from men saying, she's with the kids, or she's with mom, or she's out, or she's at work, and then comes me. And both are saying, I'm jealous. I deserve more time with my spouse. And it seems that they're spending their lives on a lot of other good things, but I'm always last. Or I'm not enough in the mix. And that's just wrong. I want more of that. I'm jealous for that. The term jealousy is right there. There's a, what Scripture calls a righteous jealousy, a godly jealousy. The term jealousy itself literally means heat or warmth. It can go good or bad. But this is this warmth, this getting hot with a passion for something that is rightfully yours. Time with my wife is rightfully mine. Time with your husband is rightfully yours. There's nothing ungodly about that. You deserve it. You've signed up for it. They've signed up for it. You've taken vows. You agree on it. So it's a godly 
thing that you're pursuing is you're, when you're pursuing your spouse and say, I need more time. And I want you to realize God is saying that with us. He said, I have a jealousy for you. I want more time with you. And, and when I don't get that time with you, God says, I'm jealous. Um, did you know, by the way, that God takes the word jealousy as one of his names? I don't often hear people refer to God this way, but he, he uses that word as one of his names. Look at Exodus. I'll show it to you. Look at Exodus 34, verse 14. Exodus 34. Verse 14. This is after God had given the Ten Commandments and then they broke the Ten Commandments and, or Moses did and then God replaced the Ten Commandments and in that replacement of them he says this. Verse 14 says, You shall not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. God says, that's my name. Try this for a prayer. Dear Jealous, thank you for such faithful, eternal, devoted love to me. And help me have that kind of love for you. Have you ever heard anybody say, Dear Jealous? The fact that God would say, that's one of my names, that I am jealous. I am a jealous God, but I refer to myself sometimes as jealous. That obviously implies that it's one of God's significant characteristics. That he wants what he wants, and what he wants is what's right and righteous and godly. And he's jealous for, in that passage, Exodus 34, I'm jealous for worship. I alone am God. I deserve to be worshipped. That's right. I'm jealous that that happens. It's one of my characteristics that our God is a jealous God. We need to know about that. And that's why I wanted us to know Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 15, because it speaks of his jealousy. He says he's so jealous that if he doesn't get what he is deserved to get... That he just, he says, I wipe you off the face of the earth. That's a significant jealousy that need not scare us. We just need to know this is, this is serious. This is real. This is not hollow. This is not superficial at all. God is very serious about that. He wouldn't put that kind of language in the scriptures for us. Uh, perhaps... I don't want you to get the wrong impression of God. God is not a green-eyed monster. That would be confusing envy with jealousy. You know, you've heard people say, He's, he or she's green with envy. Now, God's not a green-eyed monster. I mean, He's not coming to get us because He wants to wipe us off the face of the earth. He wants to do something that's wrong. Envy is wanting something that you don't rightfully deserve. It's like, me wanting somebody else's wife. See, I, I, don't have a, I don't have any righteous standing to lust after, want someone else's wife. She's not mine. 
I should want my wife. I should be jealous for that relationship, not another relationship. But many people envy things that are not theirs. That's a wrong use of those emotions. God is not envious. He's not a green-eyed monster. He is a red-faced lover. He says, I am, the, the, the word jealous, it's hot, it's warm. He says, I am hot with love, with passion for those people who are my own, my people, who I deserve to have time with. That's the jealousy of our God. So let's not confuse it. Now, it's, as you read this passage in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is perhaps the premier book of books that begins helping us understand what it is to be in relationship with God, that we are in relationship with him by covenant. He comes and makes an agreement. That's a covenant. I'll be your God, you be my people. And that creates the relationship, the foundation for it. It's just much like our present day wedding services. The couple comes together and they make an agreement. They say their vows, that's their covenant. What he will do, what she will do, that's the agreement. That's the basis for the relationship. And it should uh, live on that basis and you should be jealous for the fulfillment of those vows. Well, Deuteronomy is like that. So Deuteronomy 6 I kind of jumped into the middle of it. If we started at verse 1, he says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, the judgments that the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. So Moses is teaching them um, that this is what you should do. This is not only something you should do, but this is what you should teach your children to do and your children's children to do. Because God's made a, a covenant, a relationship with us. And God has promised that if we dwell in relationship with him the way we should, that he's going to bless us. And that's where I jumped in. So he says, so verse 10, when it comes about that God starts blessing us, you see verse 10, and you get into the land, and not only do you get into the land, verse 11, you get houses in the land, and you get houses filled with a lot of good things. And then he says, watch yourself. Watch yourself. Because as soon as you get into this situation where you've got everything you need, you've got land, you've got a house, the house is full, you've got all that you need. It's like, why do I need God? Watch yourself. God has brought you here. Watch yourself. Don't think that you don't need God. He's jealous for a relationship with you. And if you start just getting a relationship with the land and the houses and the abundance of things and all the, the pleasures that, br- that brings you, watch yourself. It's very easy to kind of slide away from God and say, uh, I don't really need God that much. It's kind of like starting to read your Bible and say, eh, it was good for a while, but I just don't need it that much. Watch yourself. You don't need to hear from God. You don't need his love letters to you. You don't need to talk back to him. Watch yourself. That's what this passage is all about. Um, Consider, he says, God's jealousy of you. Now, God is gracious, but he draws a line in the sand and says, don't step over this. Our relationship is real. 
Stay in relationship with me. Don't get out and start loving other things, other people more than your love for me. God is jealous. Now, stop and evaluate. Have, you know, most of us here, we have houses. We've got land. We've got things. And that makes us busy. Does God jealous? Does God ever get jealous of your TV time? Your game time? Your sports? Your activities? Your remodel projects? Is God still first? Just as the day he bought you and brought you to where you are? That's what we're talking about. That's, that's real life. And God says, when you get in that situation, realize the relationship is significant. Are we willing to even ask him? Would you honestly go to God in prayer and say, God, anything I'm doing making you jealous? Because I know you're a jealous God. And as a matter of fact, it's pretty cool that you desire time with me. Am I giving you enough? Or have I started loving the things of this world so much that it's making you uncomfortable? That your face is starting to turn red. That you're getting hot under the collar because you're seeing me go and do these things but not with you. Is that ever happening? You know, um, I, read, I saw an article this week, hadn't seen an article like this in, I don't know, 20 years, but the, the, the heading of the article was, is it, sin, is it sin to miss church? The first thing when I saw that, is it sin to miss church? I said, must be a preacher. Yeah. Who writes an article on that? Is it, we don't even want to talk about it, do we? Is it sin to miss church? Well, it, it was a former preacher. It was an editor, just full disclosure. But I read the article, and he didn't say these words, but he, he, was, dealing, he was dealing with the subject. Let me answer it this way. This is not the way he answered it. Is it sin to miss a doctor's appointment? No, is it sin to miss the doctor's appointment and not call the doctor's office and tell, you, tell them your reason, I got sick, whatever, I can't make the appointment, and then reschedule the next appointment? See, that could be sin. It's a sin not to love, not to be courteous, not to be uh, helpful. It's a sin not to reschedule if it's a life and death thing you need anyway. So it's not a sin to miss, but it could be a sin to not reschedule and to not call. So, if God has a schedule with you to see us gathered and worshiping Him as His family, as His church, if God has that schedule and He's ordered it one day every seven days, and he calls it the Lord's day. And he calls it the Lord's house. And he calls it the Lord's people. 
And he scheduled all of this for time with him. It's not about us. And we agreed to all those things. If we say, okay, I'm going to miss this Sunday to do my thing. Well, do you at least call and reschedule? Do you at least call God and say, I want to reschedule that. You know, I know it's the Lord's Day thing, you know, but can we reschedule? I'll give two or three hours of intimate fellowship with you and your people over here instead of here. See, I'm not sure we think that way. And if we don't think that way, it's like, okay, well, time with God really is not as important as time with my things. Watch yourself. It's exactly what God is saying. We get to a place where, but I got these things to do. I got these places to be. And this, 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 this needs to happen. Yes, I agree. But watch yourself because it's so easy for your passions to go after those things when it ought to go to God, right? There's a primary passion that ought to go to God because He is God. So that's why, as I looked in this passage in Deuteronomy, I said, you know, we need to watch our master our ministry, and our merchandise. First of all, our master, verse 12, he says, Watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Now, we know we're not the Exodus people. Number four, belt pack four. There we go. Good. All right. Uh, thank you. <clears throat> Sorry for the distraction. Uh, when he says in verse 12, watch yourself, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the, in the New Testament, it's a spiritual purchase. It's a spiritual bringing out of Egypt. It's, it's a still bringing out of slavery. We're in slavery, in bondage to sin, and we are purchased out of that bondage to sin and brought in to life with Christ. So he says, now watch yourself. If, if God does that, if God purchases you, if he purchases me, then he owns us, right? He's Lord. He's Redeemer. He's Savior. And we uh, owe ourselves to him. He's our master. Um, don't forget, he says, when you, when you get these houses full of things, abundance of things 
begets self-sufficiency. And self-sufficiency tempts us to thinking we're self-reliant. And self-reliance obstructs God-reliance. Which is why Jesus says it's hard for a rich man to get to heaven. Because a rich man's used to buying what he wants, doing what he wants, getting what he wants. He's not used to surrender, submission to the boss, to the master, to, to the Lord. God says, when you get to a place of abundance, watch yourself, watch your master. Remember who bought you. Who, who gave you all these things? Who brought you to the place where you are? Um, look over at Psalm 107. Perhaps we need this kind of relationship more when the Israelites were coming out of, um, out of Egypt. Look at Psalm 107. First, get there. Psalm 107, beginning at verse 4 through, say, 9. It says, they, Psalm 107, verse 4, they, they wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They didn't find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry, thirsty. Their soul fainted with them. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distress. And he led them also by a straight way to go up to an inhabited city. He let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul. He is filled with what is good. Then there's the, that's the illustration of what's happening in Deuteronomy. He says, when you get to this place of desperation, you don't even know where your next meal is. You don't know where your next house is. You, he says, God, God will lead you. The Israelites got there and they cried out in desperation. What do we do? We start having hunger pains. We just whoop into a fast food. Got it. We start having a financial crisis. We just check out the ATM, pull out a little bit more. And I think there's a, there's a need for us to cry out in desperation. God, yes, I can go to a fast food and get another biscuit. And I could pull out a little bit more out of the bank if I had the need. But God, I need you. I need you. That's what God's jealous for. That we're, we treat him as Lord. We treat him as the one who has bought us, purchased us, who is over us, who is our master. He's jealous for that kind of relationship, that father-son, that Lord-servant relationship that he established when he bought us. That was the covenant. That was the arrangement. That was the deal. How dare we have a God who has purchased us with his blood, healed us by his stripes, managed us with his love, and we make him jealous. We go off and do life as we please. He says, watch your master. Who are you really serving? Are you still really serving Christ. You know, people say, oh, oh you, what you're saying there is we need to make Jesus Lord. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Jesus is already Lord. You don't make him Lord. He's already sovereign. He's already in charge. He has already purchased you with his blood. 
We didn't make him anything. He makes us his sons and daughters. He chooses us. And as he does that, should we not respond and serve and love him? He is our resource. Well, so watch your master. Second, watch your ministry. Um, Verse 13, he says, um, You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. We know that, right? I mean, that's the first commandment. Uh, Chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, uh, verse 6, he says, And 7, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number 1. Shall only be one God. Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, there's only one God. You shall worship him and no one else. That's your master. You shall swear by nobody else's name. Sometimes we swear by lots of things as things that are helping us. That's why I said, watch your ministry. If somebody said, you know, why do you go to New Covenant Church? You get a lot of answers. And some people say, well, I go because of uh, the great youth ministry. You know, we just heard about it. I go because of the youth ministry. It's the best thing going, man. It's cool. All right, great. I'm glad. Um, I go because of the children's program, the nursery, the covenant kids. They don't just babysit. They teach the Bible there. Cool. I go because of the owls. They're the oldest, wisest, liveliest seniors going. You know? Or I go because of the school. Their passion is to complete students in Christ. Or I go because of the preaching. See, all of these things are ministries. I go because of the ministry. I I get something. Or do we go to church because we get to give God something? I swear by the worship of God, not by the ministry. What grows the church? Not the ministry. See, all those ministries, those are extra things that come with abundance. And when you get that abundance, it's so easy to start putting your joy and your faith and your love in those ministries, and you miss the minister, in this case, who is Christ. It says, watch yourself. It's so easy to say, well, I swear by the youth group. I swear by the preaching. It's the bit. No, swear by God. That God is the Lord of the church. That he is the one growing the church. That he is the one to whom we all submit. See, it's very subtle, isn't it? It's so easy to get out of focus and miss God. And God is jealous that we don't miss it. And then watch, watch your merchandise. Verse 14 says, You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. Now, think about what your gods are. We, we can make anything a god. A god is something you place your affections upon. It becomes your idol. And he says, don't, don't do that. People around you, they, they worship so many things. Watch yourself that you're not wor- worshiping things. You know, evaluate. God, do I, do I cling to anything more than I cling to you? Because if I do, that has become for me a God. It's what I, I serve. It's what I, I want more than anything else. 
You know, uh, we live in a community. Let's just be honest. Let's be real. Football has become a god. Right? Maybe not for you. I hope not. For a lot of people. And if it's not football, it could be baseball. It could be soccer. It could be golf. It could be hunting. It could be fishing. It could be work. What's the love that you have for things? Do you say, I got to have it. I got to have it. I got to have it. Is, is your heart focused on football? Has that become your God? Has that become what you love more than anything else? You know, I, I long for us getting to the place like the psalmist that says, Lord, who do I have in heaven? Who do I have on earth? I have no one but you. You are my passion. You are my life. You are my heart and soul. You are who I long for just to be near to you. God says, if that's not what's happening, watch yourself. You've obviously begun to put your passions upon something else. I I really enjoy time with with family and getting together and, and, and having a time where we just have an unreserved embrace. You know what I'm talking about? When you, when you see your wife and you haven't seen her all day and you could, just, you could just hug for a little while. And you could do that with your son or your daughter or your grandkids. You, see, it's what I'm talking about. It's, it's, you can do it with your friends. You can do it with church family. But it's different than a little pat on the back. Hey, how y'all? Uh-huh. You know that kind of hug? How y'all? Yeah. We, we're good. We're friends. I love you. You love me. Yeah, uh-huh. That, that's a different relationship than one of those, ah, oh, so good to see you. Oh, I missed you. Where you just pause and you hold that person. And you know there's an intimacy and a love there that's not shared with everybody. I wonder how many times it's like, Got to have that football. Oh, got to have that autograph. Oh, hey, God. Hey, hey. I'm going to church now. How's this? You see, we're patting God on the back and embracing someone or something else. And you know, it ought to go the other way. Because God is jealous for that unreserved, I mean, for that reserved time with him. And that the inhibitions being shed and we just fall into his arms and say, so good to be in your presence with you. Watch yourselves. Well, let me just give you a few other verses real quick. I want to get back to verse 15, but let me give you one other verse. Look at Proverbs 27, verse 4. Proverbs 27, verse 4. I love Hebrew parallelism, and there's an example of it here that really uh, helps make sense of jealousy. Proverbs 27, verse 4 says, Wrath is fierce 
And anger is a flood. But who can stand before jealousy? So you have three synonymous words there. Wrath, anger, and jealousy. And I've already told you that jealousy, the word literally just means hot. It means warmth. It means heat. Well, when you think of anger, you often think of a hot man's hot. He's got emotions that are hot. Uh, wrath, again, you're pouring out your fury, your, 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 your anger, your wrath, your heat. Bringing the heat. Well, what I think we're seeing here, though the words, there's a lot of similarities, wrath, anger, jealousy, it seems to be an indication of degrees in the context. Wrath, that's pretty bad. It's fierce. Anger, step it up a notch. It's a flood. You're getting to the point. It starts to wipe you out. But jealousy, you step it up a notch more. And God says, that's, that's what I've got. I'm not just bringing the wrath. I'm not just bringing the anger. I want you to know my name is Jealous. I am a jealous God. I am jealous for the people I purchase with my blood. And I want that life relationship with them, with us. And that's why I think in Deuteronomy 15, he says, so if, if that's not what it's going to be like, if I've entered into a relationship with you or you think I have and you're not going to have that intimacy with me, I will wipe you off the face of the earth. Wrath is one thing. Anger is one thing. My jealousy, I want you to see that's, that's significant. And I'm jealous for you. Now, one last thing, verse 15 of Deuteronomy 6. This is what makes it so encouraging. Verse 15, for the Lord your God in the midst of you. Don't miss that phrase. In the midst of you. How encouraging is that? We have a God who desires to come out of heaven and to be in our midst. Wow. There's no other God like that. There's no other God who has so loved the world that he sent his son to die, to take, what did Christ do when he died on the cross? He took the guilt of our sin away so that we don't experience the wrath of God, but rather the wrath and anger of God has been satisfied and his jealousy pacified. As God has made a covenant with Christ that those who are in Christ are loved. God wants to be in us and have us in him. How many other people do you know like that? Do you have anybody that just is just downright passionate about being with you, saying, I want to hang out. I want to follow you. I want to be where you are. Where you are is where I want to be. Who does that? Our God does that. He says, 
I love you so much, I didn't want to see you wiped off the face of the earth. I love you so much, I didn't want to see you cast into hell. I want to be with you. That's glorious. Wow. We have a God who wants to be with us. How could we turn away? Watch yourself. Watch yourself. Because our God's a jealous God. He wants a pure, holy, loving intimacy. He doesn't want the entanglements of this life to distract, deter, or take us away. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your truth. We are sinners who've gone astray. All of us have become passionate at times for people and things and lost our first love. Father, draw us back. Help us to see how sweet it is, how wonderful, how beautiful, how significant to have a God who is passionately for us and not against us. Lord, may we return to the lover of our soul, even Christ. Forgive us, O Lord, and draw us back. Thank you for the week after week opportunity to be drawn back because we, like sheep, so easily go astray. And we need these weekly preachings from your word to draw us into intimacy with you. Thank you for that, O God. Bless us as we come now to take of the Lord's Supper and let us see the beauty of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.